seats. Good evening, everyone. It's a good start. I usually rush up here and I'm always like, good morning. So uh, that's better. Um, I'd like to start with a bit of an activity. So can I please have, I did prep them beforehand, uh, Nick and Sarah, Xander uh, and Edmund and Thomas up to the stage, please. Sarah begrudgingly coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sarah and Nick, can you please stand over here? Coy boys, can you stand over here? And Thomas, can you stand in the very middle? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, a quick question. So I just want to get a, an idea and kind of set the foundation for, for a little bit of what I'm speaking on. Which group here, this group, this group, or this group, do you think best represents unity? So I want a show of hands, all right? So which group do you think best represents unity? Is it this group? Any hands? Oh, we got a couple hands. That's nice. Sorry, guys. It's quite rude. What about this group over here representing unity? Oh, we caught quite a few. What about, what about me and Thomas right now? Hey. Well, I, I have to disagree with all of you yeah. uh, because there's a super secret sneaky fourth option, and I think that all of us together best represent unity. I know. It's, I, it's sneaky, isn't it? But actually, the truth is, I don't think that unity means sameness. Unity is the power that comes from so many differences joining together as a whole. You can't have beautiful harmony without different notes. Is that right? Yes, good. Um, and so if unity means differences, what do differences mean? Now, you guys can go sit down. Thank you. Give them a round of applause. So, differences means differences. That might just be a pointless statement like Brexit means Brexit or something like that. But differences means differences, by which I mean if there's going to be differences in people, then they are going to have differences. So to follow logically from my argument, if unity requires differences and differences means differences, then actually we should be expectant of disagreements as a unified church. It should be no surprise that myself and Lucy in our first couple months of marriage, of our holy union of marriage, have disagreed on many things, from what we should do on our day off uh, to where the TV remote should live in the house. But maybe right now, as you listen to me speak, you disagree with everything I've said so far. Great. I think disagreement is good. That is to be expected. However, that might mean for the rest of my preach, it's not that helpful. So I hope you'll still try and listen anyway. So, we should expect disagreements. We're all very different people as one body. And what do disagreements look like? Well, I think this passage gives such a prime example from Paul and Barnabas, who we have been following all term. We've looked at them through Acts, that these two have showed great character and relationship together in their ministry. They've traveled together and even faced great opposition they have walked boldly in faith and achieved great triumphs for building the early church. But, as I've shared, we need to expect them to have disagreements on something. And this passage is where we see that sharp disagreement as it's described. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Paul, on one side of the disagreement, did not trust Mark, 
based on those previous experiences. Yeah, sorry, based on the previous experiences of him and how he'd been hurt by Mark and endangered their mission in the past. On the other side of the argument, you've got Barnabas, who believed in Mark and wanted to give him a second chance. He was also his cousin, so he likely cared much more for Mark's betterment. These are two sides of an argument, and they are both great reasons for why they might want to bring Mark with them. And they were both convicted of these decisions that were in their heart. They both believed they were right in their belief of who Mark was. But they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted ways. I don't know if when we were talking about those different breakups you've had this morning, if any of this brings some of that pain straight back up, because it is quite heartbreaking to see such important leaders of the church so painfully pulled apart over their relationship with this one person. So maybe this isn't such an encouraging story. Hands up if you here dislike disagreements. Yeah, I know some people who are very good with disagreements, but I really struggle. I don't like them. There's many reasons. Actually, does anyone feel brave enough to shout out why they might not like a disagreement? I need bold people. Awkward? Yes. You might be wrong. <laughs> what else? Any other reasons? Go for it. Yeah, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Actually, there's fear involved as well. It could, lead to that, it could lead to that separation. Imagine if it's someone at work and you know you have to continue working with them. That's scary. It can be disrespectful. And we may end up more hurt than when we started. But I don't think this is a reason that we should back down from disagreements. If we know that we are different, if we know that we have differences between us, that's not a reason to just leave them unspoken or tucked under the rug. God has given us different lives and characters, and the things that we are convicted of are important. Paul, later, I think this is almost 10 years later when he writes Romans, he says in Romans 14 verse 5, one person, uh, sorry, this is on an example to do with two people that are disagreeing on something in their faith. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Paul didn't believe it was right to back down on these things. Actually, if we feel convicted of something, and that is what our faith is convicting us of, then we need to work that out. Paul was not going to back down in this situation. And as we see, neither was Barnabas. But there is still hope even in the bad results of a bad disagreement. Because God, I strongly believe, uses our disagreements. Like I said, God has made us different. God has brought us together in unity. There's going to be disagreements. Surely God will use them. And I think this bit is really exciting. This is what Louise read in the passage. And this is how God uses this sharp disagreement between them. Paul and Barnabas go their separate ways. Actually, can I have the map up? This will help to illustrate this. Paul and Barnabas go their separate ways. And that's where my page needs to turn over. Barnabas was convinced that there is hope for Mark. So goes with him to encourage the churches of Cyprus. Paul chose Silas to join him and went to strengthen the churches in Cyrus and Sicilia. 
Both of them continued to do great things and to build up God's growing church in two separate places. But as we continue to read in Acts, we actually follow Paul's side of the story and what becomes of this side of the separation of this disagreement. Paul meets Timothy, someone who becomes almost like a son to him. Paul, uh, Timothy was actually the co-author of many of Paul's letters and later that come later in the New Testament. Paul brought him along on his journey from this point onwards and he grew as a great disciple and became irreplaceable to Paul. All three of them, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, continued to share the teaching they had been given from Jesus' apostles. Then next, Paul continued to be led by the Spirit. Though they wanted to go in the province of Asia, the Spirit of Jesus disagreed. They ended up in a place called Troas instead. And, it's not listed quite in this passage, but they met a doctor called Luke. He also joins them on this journey. And if you may be aware, this is a very hugely significant person because he's actually the person who wrote the book that we're reading right now. He wrote Acts. And he also wrote the Gospel of Luke, very aptly named. Two very important accounts that we have as Christians that we read in the New Testament. And eventually, Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia begging them to come to them. So they left to preach the gospel in Macedonia, which was the first missionary journey into Europe. It's a pretty good result for us in Europe today. This was one disagreement that on one side has led to so much growth and so much good that we see. But there is also Barnabas and Mark. They were able to go and do more separately. They continued to strengthen churches elsewhere and continue this ministry. And would you believe it, it's another author. Mark brings us the gospel account of Mark. That's right. This one sharp agreement led to half of the gospels that we read in the Bible today, both Luke and Mark. Without them, we wouldn't have that harmony that is celebrated throughout all four gospels in how they match up and show the life of Jesus so well. I think that's really exciting just to unpack what's happened in that passage. God brought such incredible good out of a situation that seemed really bad. The splitting of such foundational members of the early church. Could you imagine that today? Maybe you might have seen it in a church you once belonged to. A disagreement so sharp, so high up, that it can really tear the fabric of everything happening. But God used it for such good. So it's true. This was not a good disagreement. I'm sure it would have also caused a lot of hurt and pain. It would seem that Paul and Barnabas eventually did come to good terms again. We can only speculate on this from what we read almost 10 years later in Paul's writing when he talks about Barnabas as an equal in his letter to the Galatians. And Paul's relationship with Mark also changes. He thanks Mark for looking after him while he was in prison. And finally, in the last letter we believe that Paul wrote to Timothy, he also asks for him and says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. This is very different. This is like 10 years, 12 years later, but this is so different to what we saw at the beginning of this passage. They were able to reconcile this splitting of ways, but it was after a long, painful time. How different could this have been if they instead had had this disagreement, but instead agreed to go separate ways, right? Right? 
be like, why don't you go and continue this ministry over there and we'll go continue it over there? Brilliant things, I'm sure God will use that. But that's not what happened. This was a harsh and difficult disagreement. So, yes, disagreements are sometimes bad, but they don't always have to be. If we believe in a God that desires unity for the whole church and that we have come with our differences, then there must be some way to have good disagreements that don't break this harmony. This is what Jesus prayed for, that we would be a church that is unified and that the world would know him through us, through our unity. So there's got to be a way. Because each of us bring difference into a situation, different knowledge, different experience, different ideas, different values. And in order to have the relationships grow, build, and become stronger, and that we don't walk into danger together, we need to learn to express our differences and express disagreements. I don't know, a really simple example in my head could be, you're going on a walk with Patrick, and Patrick's like, why don't we go into Isha Common? But you know from looking on your phone, there's a forest fire. It might not be such a dumb thing to disagree with Patrick and say, let's not go there. Disagreements can easily be a good thing, but sometimes we are so quiet. So how do we learn to disagree well? Well, this is what a wiser Paul writes much later after this incident. Roughly seven years later, he writes this in Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans 12.16. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 12.18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. And then even later when he writes Ephesians, in Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This isn't quite how we saw Paul act in the past, but this is what he encourages of us. We are encouraged to keep that unity above all else. So how can we do this? You may be thinking. Sorry, my notes got printed twice there. Apologies for that. Well, we need to bring God into the situation. Our disagreements are not just based on us. So let's pray for guidance. Two, we've been gifted with, well, as many of the authors who are in this passage, we've been gifted with God's word that we can look to and learn from. Three, we are a body of believers we have other people in our lives who live along that same path, who care and are fellow believers of Christ. Seek their counsel, talk to them, ask for help. Number four, ask God for a specific direction. And number five, cheerfully do what God tells you. Be convicted. Because actually... It doesn't matter if we come with our differences, but actually put nothing behind them. If we think that we are not valuable enough to come with our differences and that they do not impact the whole church, then what's the point? Your differences, value, your differences are valuable. We need to come with them. Because God does not lead us all in the same direction. That might be shocking to some of you. But I am actually convicted. What I am of... Sorry. What I am convicted of what might be different to you. Clearly, I'm passionate about unity. That's what I think is really important in the church. But for someone else, it might be how we worship our God. 
For others, the most important thing might be how we reach out to the community. We can be convicted of different things and God can take us in different directions, but unless we come together, we will not see the church grow. But the thing that makes this all possible is not just that we are entirely different people, but actually that we are unified together through Jesus. That is the common ground that we have. It's through the blood that Jesus shed for us, his sacrifice to give his own life that we might live and have that full relationship with God. Jesus specifically says that actually if we are in him and he is in the Father, then we can be unified. This is something that no one else has in this world. People that don't know God do not have that same unity. It is powerful. This is something we can always come back to, that yes, we are different. Yes, we have different convictions, but we are all unified through Jesus. So we should expect disagreement, and we need to do it well. But we need to remember that we are still unified even in all our differences.